pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow! To throw rainbows it down the right side for Kyle Pitts. He's got it. He's there. Touchdown! Oh my! Oh my indeed. And welcome everyone to the Sports Bits Podcast with Moco, here to talk about all things Florida Gators football and Boston Celtics. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsBitsPods to get updates on when I upload. I will also be tweeting live takes and reactions of the games being played that day. Please leave a five-star review if you're on Apple Podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, please leave, uh, please leave a like, share, and subscribe. That would be much appreciated. And since it's the first ever podcast... Of the channel, we will first be discussing the insane game of oh, Florida versus Oklahoma, which was happened to be last week, and I didn't want to make an instant reaction to it because I didn't have everything prepped, but I still wanted to make a reaction to it. So I'm doing it next week, and I have a lot more things prepped now since I've been able to digest and get some stats for you guys on the game. And the first thing I want to talk about mainly is the list of inactives, which is crazy because if you're following this game, you saw that, you know, first you saw Kyle Pitts, of course, get opt out, which was not fun. For any of us to hear, and then you hear next thing, Kadarius Tony sends a message on Instagram saying he's going to opt out and head straight to the draft. That was not fun. Then you hear Trey Grimes. So those three guys are immediately out. Some low-key guys that were not mentioned in the opt-outs when uh, you were looking at that for the upcoming game. Uh, mainly Jacob Copeland was actually an opt-out. Actually, I think he came back for that game. But mainly Ventral Miller was another guy that was a big, big opt-out on the defensive side. Marco Wilson, you know, even with the shoe throw, he was he opted out, so there's one less cornerback on the field or one less experienced cornerback on the field. Even with his shoe throw, he's still not here. A couple other guys that were starters at the Alabama game that were opt-outs for the Oklahoma game, David Reese, Sean Davis were also two guys. Jeremiah Moon, another impact linebacker that was sadly opted out for this game. And that seems like really it. The other guys opted out. Seemed like they weren't starters or too big of an importance on the game, big of an importance to the game. At least when I noticed, or at least from what I saw, you know, like Khalil Jackson, Ethan Pouncey, Rashad Torrance. You know, some guys that were here and there, never really fully like was integrated into the defense throughout the whole year compared to the other guys. And the crazy thing about that is just seeing eight of our starters go opt out for the draft, and you know, it already puts you at a disadvantage not having your full. Full, full impact players or full set of impact players ready for the game. You have to play with you know mainly your backups that haven't had much too, haven't had much experience with you know in the offense and also timing with Kyle Trask because he is still playing in this game, which was amazing to hear that Trask was still playing. We all saw what happened there, but still, you know, it's nice to have your quarterback for your, your la- his last game before he declared for the draft, and it just really sucked for him that he had to perform the way he did, which I'll talk about later, without his key players on offense. But on Oklahoma's side, the only person to opt out was Trey Brown, was a senior cornerback that, you know, did make some moves on off, on defense for them. But mainly on defense, they were fully stacked. They had all their players there. And it just, you really, you saw it. Like, if you watched the game, you saw how impactful that defense was. And, you know, it helped, didn't help that we were, you know, dropping passes, mistimings uh, everywhere. And our, you know, our offensive line held up okay, surprisingly. You know, we had two rookies on the right side of the offensive line. They, um, uh, what is it? What was his name? Uh, what was it? I forgot his name. But, yeah, he did have one flag that game, uh, the right tackle, uh, if I can look it up. But, actually, no, I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> Just keep it in. I'm not going to care. But, yeah, he 
you know, one penalty for the offensive line. Otherwise, we held up pretty well, you know, even when Travis had to scramble multiple times to make a play or even try to make a play that was sadly ended up either a drop pass or, you know, had to get thrown over their heads. Yeah, it really was not a great performance for Kyle Trask. It didn't help that, you know, we he had three interceptions to no touchdowns, and it just it looked like it was just over for him. Like, he just did not have the – like, he showed effort, but it's just – the rest of the players did not flow on the same wavelength, and it just didn't help his case. And then, you know, we put in Emory Jones. We had Anthony Richardson in there for a little bit. Anthony Richardson has one drive. That was great. That scored a touchdown to Kyrie, uh, to Gamble, our tight, our, probably our future tight end, our number one tight end next to Keon Zipper for next year. We hope that they'll be, become the next impact player for Florida because, you know, we lost all these great receivers. We're going to have to have Justin Shorter step up and also Copeland step up for next year. As our next receiving core, you know that would be amazing to keep you know keep our streak alive, and hopefully Henry Jones could be our answer on at quarterback for next year, and we don't have to you know go through the transfer portal, just like Georgia did to get J.C. Daniels to end the season on a high note. You know it really hurts as a Gator fan to hear Georgia ending on a high note, and we're ending with a three, three loss streak to end the season, which really did not help you know anyone's morale. We were hoping to at least end with a win against Oklahoma, so you know have some momentum for next season. But it just seems like mentally we weren't ready to, for the win or we didn't want the win and just showed on the field. The next thing, it just hurt. But if you look at the run-pass ratio, which was another thing I saw after the game that was really shocking to see, is that for Florida at least, we had a 39-25 to run-pass ratio. So we had 39 runs, 25 passes. Oh, God. Yeah, it did not look too good. And considering we were running that many times – it, it just didn't – it was not meant to be because, you know, you as, our, as you've seen this whole year, we were spread offense. We were meant to throw the ball. We're not meant to run too many times. And seeing us run 39 times was not great. I mean, you can look at the stat line and also see Kyle Trask was running – ran 15 times for only one yard. So if you really subtract that, we only truly had 26, 26 rush, um, rushing attempts by, you know, running backs or wide receivers on the jet sweeps. Still okay, not great. You know, if you will still want to make a 26-25 pass, run-to-pass ratio, that's still more runs and passes for an offense that's mainly meant to throw the ball down the field and be a passing offense. And also not to mention we only had 6.2 yards per play on that many plays, or on 64 plays in total, which, you know, it seems like it would have been okay. It looks like we could have kept the game close, but the scoreboard said otherwise and looked Look at our four and outs and look at our times that their defense stopped us. It was kind of sad. And if you compare it to Alabama, when we uh, – oh, my bad, actually. Sorry. The, the, um, the 15 rushes for one yard was actually during Alabama when we had 26 uh, rushes and 26 passes for 52 plays in total. And you compare it to our game, <laughs> our game against uh, Oklahoma. It was a completely different story. It looks like we tried to run balance in, uh, against Alabama, even though you don't count the 15 rushes by Trask. Made it look more like a you know our traditional offense where it's just passing and getting the ball out of Kyle Trask's hands real quick. Yeah, it's it did. <laughs> there's no words for it, and I'm still trying to you know everyone's still trying to process it. And Dan Mullen, I don't know how he's gonna recover from this, especially. I mean, on the recruiting trail, we've done all right. But, yeah, it's not, not too, looking too good. But on the Oklahoma side, the run-pass ratio was uh, 40 to 15. 
it really showed that they were pounding the ball, tiring our defense out, or tiring our inexperienced defense out, which was a problem because those guys have never had or have barely any starting reps, to, you know, to get themselves acclimated to playing a full game, basically. And not to mention, 18 of those were from Ramondre Stevenson, which was probably their MVP of the whole game. 18 rushes for 186 yards for one, in one touchdown. But that stat line seemed okay for running back. But have you seen him run that day? I think it was like 10 yards per attempt for his for his rushes. And damn, that's all I'm going to say. Anytime he ran, he, was, he, was a, he looked small like compared to most of our guys, but he looks like a Mark Ingram. If you want to compare him to like a Mark Ingram or a Derrick Henry, he's a smaller, base, smaller Derrick Henry. He can just run through, power through anybody. You know, when you try to tackle him, they just, he just sheds him off and keeps running. It's crazy. Ramondre Stevenson definitely helps because it definitely opened up the pass for Spencer Rattler when he tries to throw this 15 times. And not to mention, I think the receivers only had the max. The receiver had the most catches, only had three catches in total that game. So it shows they weren't really trying to pass at all. Like, if it, it was, it was just trying to get pressure off the running game because they, they were going with the running game that, that day. And it seemed to work for them because our defense was very experienced and it just didn't help. Because if we had, you know, if we had Kyrie Campbell, oh my God, if we had Kyrie Campbell, Studeris, all these guys back, you know, Jeremiah Moon and Ventral Miller, I think we would have been a lot better against the run. Having our, having our experienced guys being able to stop the run. I mean, if you saw how we did against Najee Harris, it, it was probably a similar output if we either way, but at least it would have been a lot more controlled and contained. Because I don't think Ramondre Stevenson, anybody, can compare to Najee Harris. When this, you know, everyone, some people are even saying Najee Harris should be in the Heisman contention race with Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, and Devontae Smith. You know, it, he, he could. It's, it, there's, an, there's a good case for him to actually make, you know, over like a, tra- a Trevor Lawrence or a Zach. Oh, what was his name? Oh, crap. The BYU quarterback. I'm forgetting his name because I think he fell out after, uh, after the national championship. Uh, or the semifinal games, because, you know, you saw how DeAndre uh, Devontae Smith did and Mac Jones did against Notre Dame. I think that really pushed uh, Zach, I think Zach, I think his name is Zach Wilson. Yeah, Zach Wilson, I think, is the BYU quarterback. He he fell out of the race, and I think they're trying to keep Trevor Lawrence in there and trying to keep Ch- Kyle Trask in there. But I think if, they could really, um, if the committee considers uh, this Oklahoma game against Kyle Trask's career, this season, it wouldn't. It would probably drop him out of the race, and it would just be a three three man race of Trevor Lawrence and Devontae Smith and Mike Jones. But even after uh, the the Clemson game, if you watch that against Oklahoma or not Oklahoma, um, Ohio State, that's probably gonna drop Trevor Lawrence out of the out of the game, and it's just gonna be Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and we'll see. Both Alabama guys. It's crazy that we couldn't keep Kyle Trask in the running because it would have been exciting. Would have been an exciting year to have Kyle Trask as the, as the Heisman and potentially our playoff chances would have been a lot better if we didn't lose. You know, Kyle Trask probably would have won the Heisman if we beat LSU and kept the coast game against uh, um, Alabama like we did and won against Oklahoma. I think he probably would have been the Heisman over Devontae, in my mind. I mean, just being, I'm just being optimistic as a Florida fan, but that's, that's how we think. And I want, I want, we really wanted everything for Kyle Trask. That story, his, his come up, from being a backup to De'Aaron King and now being a backup to Felipe and now eventually starting. It's an amazing story, and look what he's done this year for this team. You know, even though he had skill players, like amazing skill players like Kyle Pitts, he still was able to 
do everything that Dan Mullen asked him to do, and complete the plays that are complete the plays that he needed to play, throw the throws he needed to throw in tight windows, not to mention. I think that's one of his best skills is throwing the ball in tight windows to Kyle Pitts, to i.e. Kyle Pitts or Kadarius Tony, which can easily get separation on their own. So he didn't really need to, but even if he needs to throw it to like, you know, um, a Trey Grimes or, you know, to a, a Naquan Wright, like out in the on the wheel or out like on a slant, I guess a tight slant, he can still make those passes because that's how Kyle Trask is. He's one of the best quarterbacks this whole season and still should be in the Heisman race. You know, we're probably going to look, still look at Mac Jones and say, you know, you know, he won, he won against Notre Dame. He beat Florida and, you know, Devontae just being the best, one of the best players in the whole college football season. They're not going to keep him out. And that was just my side tangent on the Heisman. I'm, I've been kind of mad not to mention that the tan, um, well, I'm recording this, it's going to be tomorrow, but the Heisman selection is going to be to, uh, when you're hearing this today on Tuesday. So we'll see who wins it. I'm going to be surprised. Whoever wins, I'm not, it's not going to matter to me because Kyle Trask is not in it. But, yeah, it, it sucks. But, yeah, overall, this, this Oklahoma game was not fun to watch. Like, I, one example I can give or one experience I can give is, like, my dad, who, you know, he's a Florida alum. He loves Florida. And he was watching the Alabama game. And usually he's asleep by, like, the second quarter, you know. He's an older guy, so like if it's okay, he falls asleep. But like during the Alabama game, he was awake the whole time just because Florida kept it close and it was an exciting game to watch. And this Oklahoma game, he fell asleep by the first quarter. It was not fun to watch because they we were keeping it close first quarter, but then second second quarter they just blew blew us away with 21 unanswered points, and that just showed that we weren't mentally there. Because also also the thing I keep bringing up about mentally, I just saw this report recently, is probably older news to some of the guys who are you know, saw this the day of, but apparently Dan Mullen's comments about us preparing for Oklahoma was seemed really wishy-washy. Like it was, he was not, he, like he said, potentially that we, they, we didn't want to play the bowl game, which if you're mentally like that already, that just shows you're not ready to play Like you're not ready to play that day. And it already puts you at a losing, losing position to the other team. Cause you're just, if you're mentally not at it all, like, you know, all, all switches, all, all go, all go kind of, uh, uh, what is it? Yeah, but if you're not if you're not fully committed to this, like you're just half committing, just just playing just for whatever's, it's not gonna give you a chance to win. And it just showed. You know, even even though there was also you know there was also the part about you know we got that the players were sent home for a week you know for Christmas you know it's understandable you want to give those guys a break from this crazy season, and you know we only had three practices to acclimate the team and acclimate the new guys to even prepare for Oklahoma which is definitely not enough time against a high-powered, balanced team like Oklahoma, who had a great offense and a great defense. You know, you can even make a case for them that they could, should have been in the playoffs over Notre Dame after seeing that performance, but that's just 2020 hindsight. The committee didn't see the blowout by, Notre, blowout by Alabama on Notre Dame, so you don't want to make a comment saying, like, oh, Texas A&M should have been in. Oh, well, Oklahoma or even Florida, even when Florida had three losses, should have been in. It, it didn't matter. It, like it was, it was. You're using 20-point hindsight in that, in those, in those claims, and it just didn't. You shouldn't be using that. You should look at it at the moment. At the moment, it looked like Notre Dame was the best team, even even if they got blown out by Clemson. Like you're going to make a case for Texas A&M, who lost by like 22 points, around 20 points ish, to Alabama earlier that season. Even though you could say every team's you know general like on a like good progression going up throughout the season, you don't want to make that comment because you you know. You have, I don't think Texas A&M had any real games that, uh, that showed that they 
were competitive towards the end of the season. You know, they're playing, well, uh, you know, cupcake teams towards the end of the season. I'm going to quickly look that up. But, yeah, they were playing Tennessee. Auburn, you know, Auburn's falling off. LSU, they beat them by 20, but LSU's not good. South Carolina, Tennessee, and then you just saw the blowout by, by them and the, and the Orange Bowl. But, yeah, they didn't really have any team any teams that could show, like, we could be in the playoffs. We can compete even though we lost to Alabama by 20-plus points or 20-ish points. That could say, like, oh, we have a case to be in there over Notre Dame. It just didn't seem like it at the time, even though we had that win, they had that win against UNC. But, yeah, there's – I don't – yeah, there's no way that Texas A&M would have been in. Florida, I – if I keep coming back to them, they still don't – they still didn't have a chance – that I saw, even even after like a close game against Alabama, everyone's gonna say like, "Oh, they all, we were like seven points away from winning," and like if we were the clo- we're the only team that brought them that close, or to any team that the, Alabama's played this season. And yes, you could say that. And yes, we were closest. And if you know, if probably if we were in the playoffs, you know, no one would have opted out. We would probably played our hardest that, as a four seed and try to repeat. And also, I don't think the committee would allow us playing them again. They would probably put us in the third seed or make Alabama the two seed or something just so we could split up the divisions so we would probably play like Ohio State or Clemson. And my quick thought on that, if we had to play Clemson or Ohio, or Ohio State, we probably – I don't know because I don't think – I think their defenses are comparable to Alabama from what I've seen. Well, I can't say that against Clemson now with 2020 hindsight, but without 2020 hindsight, they seemed comparable at the time. And if we had to play Ohio State, we probably would have lost because I think their offense is probably more potent. Trey Sermon and Ojolari, I think, are way more are way more potent than seeing Travis Etienne, who's played pretty good, but I don't think he's been as as good as his past seasons from not just an eye, eye test standpoint. I haven't really looked at stats or anything to prove that. And, yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, is deadly. Both of their quarterbacks are deadly, and you have to deal with that. You know, any, any of the three teams, you would have to deal with a quarterback or a running back that were pretty potent. And our defense couldn't hold up against any of them. I think it's just a matter of who can, who can outscore. It would just be another shootout like the SEC championship game. And if I had to pick my bets, I'd probably rather play Clemson over Ohio State just because Ohio State, you know, even with the six games, and they didn't really have a big sample size. You saw what they did against Northwestern. And, like, a defense even that comparable, they could only hold them to, what, 30? Yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a pretty look. Either way, either way, it wouldn't have been a pretty game. And I don't think we would have won anyway. I think we probably would have been shut out after the first game and let them let the big boys fight it out. I mean, you know, it's a good year. I think it's a good run. It shows that we progressed since 2018 since Dan Mullen got hired. And it, it, I, think we could, I think we have a shot next year, you know? Even with uh, the good recruiting that we, we signed, you know, Jason Marshall, a five-star, and a bunch of guys like Chief Borders as four-stars, I think that can help restock our defense. And as long as they develop, as long as Todd Grantham, if he's here or not, can develop, whoever the defense coordinators next year is going to develop them, I think we can have a great defense next year. And then Dan Mullen at the helmet offense would be great. And my quick thoughts on, on Todd Grantham, I think he's going to get fired. I think that Florida Florida – Fan base is fed up with him, and like we saw, if you saw the uh, the reports, they actually fired two secondaries coaches, which was I don't know if it was fair because they did pretty well under the last two teams, but the last two teams had like top ten level talent, you know, top ten level uh, secondary talent that got drafted. 
back that was actually back from the McIlwain and and Muschamp draft classes. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's, I wouldn't I wouldn't really cut the secondary coach. I would look at Todd Grantham as a whole. The whole defense was just in shambles this year. Like it wasn't. I don't see a time that we we rallied except for Alabama and Georgia, which was not a good thing. That if we can't progressively get better, because I think we had. You know, we had a good peak at Georgia. We tipped down again, and then we peaked at Alabama, which we still lost and dropped out, dropped off again. I mean, that's that's not good. You should be progressively getting better. Like, you know, there's a, there's a formula that Clemson uses. You know, just progressively, exponentially get better instead of just up and down. You know, that does not show that your team is – your team only – it shows your team only rallies for these certain teams. And it doesn't show that we compet- we play every team like they're in Alabama. We just blow out the bad teams, and we play good against the good teams which is how our mentality should be for the future. I hope Dan Mullen can take that mentality and, and give it to all the players or at least change his, his mentality because it seems like he only – he was good. I liked how he played. I mean, you always you got to love how Dan Mullen played regardless of what you critique him on, but I think he needs like a slight mentality change. It showed in the Oklahoma, Oklahoma game and also like during the other games, like we didn't blow out Tennessee, which we should have, and then Kentucky was interesting. Yeah, the games after Georgia were just interesting. We thought, you know, like, oh, our defense is getting better. And then you see Tennessee just run up all over us, score 19 points when we should have kept them at, like, 12 or 14, like two touchdowns only. And we only scored 31, not to mention on them. So that was not – that was not. But, yeah, I will talk more in, de- in depth next week on, you know, the season as a whole. I just gave a little preview of what I'm going to talk about. But, yeah, I will see you all. Next week on the Florida side, and for up next, I'm going to be talking about the Boston Celtics and the opening slate of games. You know, starting uh, what is it, four and three this season. You know, it looks like it looks pretty bad. You know, losing against the Detroit Pistons, which I'm going to talk about later. But yeah, we'll I will talk more of that in detail in the next segment. And we're back. All right, this is the Celtics side of it. Here to talk about the opening slate for the Celtics, our first seven games, which was a, a interesting roller coaster. I'm not going to lie for the first seven games. You know, I did see a few of them full, fully, been watching uh, highlights for some of them that, you know, I didn't think were as important until I realized we lost against the Pistons in our first set of two on the series. So that was, then I had to start seeing what's up. And I finally, you know, thank God we won yesterday. Yes, sir. And then we yes, have sir. a, we have a game against the Raptors. Oh, by the way, we also have a guest on here. My, uh, my boy, James, he's in our, he's in my fantasy or our fantasy league and also a big That's Celtics true. fan as well. So he can talk about a few things. He's also a Suns fan, which will also be interesting when it comes up. In February, February seventh, uh, February seventh, when it, uh, when we play the Suns, that also he'll probably Thanks be back for, for that. So, you got anything to say Appreciate other it. than that, James? Introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you having me on here. Um, you know, like I'm excited to talk some some basketball, and you know, like let's get into it. You know, so that's all I gotta say. You want to say a little bit about yourself? You know, other than you know your name and you love basketball. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, I'm. James you know you know my name but uh yeah I mean like uh I've been following basketball for for a really long time I grew up as a Celtics fan my dad was a huge Celtics fan and uh um I've been watching since I was really little the first game that I remember going to was uh was a Nets Timberwolves game when I was like seven or something so I was I've been I've been following basketball for a long time I've, I've loved the sport um but yeah, I mean, a little bit about me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a guitar player. I like, you know, doing, screwing around with music. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge artist. Uh, both of those things, I like to coincide with each other. But um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all about me. I mean, I got I'm just big on, you know, a lot of 
huge popular topic. <laughs> Surprised you didn't talk about your graphic design, boy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a little bit of a it's a bit of a, a, a school process right now, so it's a little yeah. bit more toned yeah, down. This, guy, this guy, this guy was potentially going to make the make my uh, podcast cover art, and I may have him help me <laughs> so much stuff in the future, dude. Like with other alterations and stuff, this guy yeah, is probably going to be it. So if you ever need any graphic design work, just let me know. I can hit you up, hook you, hook you up with James. Hey, yeah, work, so appreciate the shout out. Yeah. So uh, first thing I want to talk about mainly was the, uh, uh, I mean, the first uh, stat I wanted to bring up, at least for the beginning of the beginning of the season was uh, the ratings, at least our offensive defensive ratings. You know, we expected, you know, the offense to be high powered because, uh, you know, we had Tatum, Brown, all these guys, and not to mention Marcus Smart coming up as a bench player. And now I think he, now he's a starter now. So it's, that's good for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially with Kemba, if he was back, it was, our offense seemed like it was pretty set. And you can see that with the offensive rating being at, so was it 100, 101.6, which is seventh in the league, which is pretty good. I like that. The shows that our offense is still, you know, as good as it ever be. But the main thing I want to highlight is the defensive rating, which is 112, which is the 24th best in the league, which basically means we're like bottom tier trash for defense. <laughs> and like, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I saw, I've seen our, our gameplay. It's not the greatest, especially against good teams like the Nets like playing against like high power, like high, um, like superstar players like Kyrie and Katie. Uh, yeah. Like what are your thoughts on that, on that little stat line? Um, I definitely think that with them bringing in a lot of new, new and younger players that their, their defense has started to lack in coming years. However, that their offensive efficiency come it somewhat makes up for it. But what I will say is that I do think that they need to start implementing in the new young uh new young buck in robert williams and put him in the starting lineup because he is doing he's covering the entire stat sheet for um for the celtics and i think that with steven's coaching he's trying to see who he wants to put in at, at the center at the starting center position whether it be keep it with tice or bring in robert williams and I think that with when he plays Robert Williams 20, 25 plus minutes a game, their defensive stats definitely increase more than Tice's. And that's just because Tice is a new defensive player and, and which is perfectly fine. He's, you know, he's a great player as is, but I think that they need that Stevens needs to start implementing that and that will change their defense defense drastically in my opinion, because already Robert Williams is averaging almost nearly two blocks a game and mm-hmm. with along with a steal, I think. There you go. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I uh, totally agree. And I'm looking at his per 36 numbers right now and it shows he would score like 13 points. He would have a total of 12 rebounds, you know, three blocks, two steals. Like, I mean, that's per 36 and you could take that with a grain of salt, but I like per 36 yeah. just because it shows what it predict kind of predicts us like shows what their efficiency would be if they started, you know, 20, plus minutes right. a night and kind of yeah. give like a guideline of like who is kind of trending in the good direction who's like you know it just shows like what what these guys are capable of if we're getting full minutes with what we've seen so far so I, I definitely agree with you Rob Williams is definitely a great option yeah. I'm just thinking that you know we brought in you know Tristan Thompson I think he's more of like you know grab it grab and go kind of guy defensive guy yeah. like he, he's trying I think he's, we're trying to play him as like the Horford role I think is what we're looking I, at yeah, you I know, kinda, we're, we're I missing that, that. that guy who's like really good on defense, grabbing boards for all the guys who are like scoring on the, on the perimeter. And I think right. he brings that, even though he's a little shorter than most of those type of guys. Like, and we miss Al Horford being what, like six ten, six eleven. 
Yeah, Alec, and right? I think Tristan that's Thompson where six nine. So. Yeah, I think that's where Tristan Thompson struggles a little bit on defense because he can't hang with all those big seven footers <laughs> all the time in the paint. And that's just yeah. realistic. You know, he, I mean, he's going to be back down uh, on the block every day of the week by Joel Embiid, Jokic, like yep. name any set, starting center in the league right now. So yep. it's just that it's just finding the right guy to to put in there to help out. Yeah, I just realized we didn't have any guys over seven foot except for actually I think Tice is listed as six eleven too. So I don't think we have any guys over seven foot other than Taco. But I don't wow. think Taco you want to <laughs> you do not want to match up Taco against like a example a Joel Embiid or a, a Bla- even a Blake yeah. Griffin. Like yes. even though I think Blake yeah. plays the power forward, we usually have Tatum on him, but I think usually we try to rotate the center on him just because I think Tatum's a little smaller as a power forward type to even guard those type of guys, and Blake Griffin's like a big high powered off- offensive power forward. You don't want to have a Tatum. And he's a better wing player. So. Yeah, he's a, he's a way better wing player. He yeah. plays. It's interesting because I consider him a small forward playing the power forward position. It's weird because I he's agree. more of a wing guy, and we play. You yeah. know, we play a four out offense. We don't. We don't have like two guys on the blocks or anything like that. So I mean, it's more of a modern day offense anyway. We just rely on pick and roll, a ball move, off ball movement. You know, we try to emulate. I guess we try to like emulate a similar offense to the. Uh, the Golden State Warriors with more of an emphasis on, you know, our high fire scores like Jalen Brown and Tatum, giving them the ball more and getting smart open on the three, which seems to have worked really well. Seeing how Marcus Smart scores, uh, like field goal percentage from three is like, what is it, like 40, 40 plus yeah, it's percent? Got, it's gotten so much better in, in, than in previous years. And I'm honestly really proud of him because he's honestly been banging threes like left and right. And, and underpaid as well. Really good for him. And he's underpaid a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> It's the you know if we if he stays in the pay we'll be able to keep you know Jason Tatum maybe sign another yeah. guy, you know we only had Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson on one year deals anyway I think so and it, Jeff Teague was a good pickup yeah he's, he's a, a solid fourth, backup point guard he's a he's a backup and like I seem like a similar fourth option since yeah. uh, Kemba's gone and I think he'll make a great op- he'll make a great transition when he go when Kemba gets back and then Jeff Teague is a great scorer on the bench creating not exactly. you know creating shots for himself I think that was a good pickup I'm so you know. I, I saw it at first on the offseason seeing Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson get picked up. I'm like, okay, it's okay. I, like, I didn't, I, it's not flashy, you know, like signing, you know, like a Dennis Schroeder or anything like that would have yeah. been nice, but, you know. And it, Carson it was a, Edwards, was he's on the come up. Hmm? Carson Edwards is on the come up. Carson Edwards, yeah. I, I definitely, and that also it's brings up to the next point about young guys, uh, about Peyton Pritchard, I think is more on the come up. And, yeah. you know, just looking at his stats, especially his per 36 numbers is crazy. Because, you know, on average, on his normal games, he scores about, like, 6.8 points. His three-point percentage is, four, is 41%, which is really good. 40, 42 That's if you sweet. round up. His regular field goal is 54%. Really good. Two assists, one, one and a half uh, steals a game. You know, that's really good for rookie numbers. And, you know, we try to incorporate him in the offense. And his par 36 is what kills me because his steals go up, goes up to three. And his assists goes up to, like, four, basically, if you round up. You know, mm-hmm. his, his and then his points goes up to about, like, set, uh, 12 which is crazy for like a rookie coming out of nowhere. I never expected, because it was weird because we had so much controversy over the Pritchard pick. I thought we had mm. other guys we wanted to draft, like other people wanted to draft, but Pritchard, you know, has proven us wrong with, you know, what, what he's uh, shown out these first seven games. And I don't know if you had any thoughts on him, but the Oregon man's going crazy. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that he's an excellent perimeter defender. And I think that he is amazing on fast break opportunities. He can clearly shoot the ball. But he's he seems a lot more like a facilitator, which is honestly what sometimes what the Boston Celtics lack in some respect, especially when Kemba is unhealthy. 
Yeah, I think, you know, that, I think he's a great addition. Yeah, I definitely wish we had like a, you know, a Ricky Rubio type at the point guard and we had, mm-hmm. you know, it would give him more options, more uh, uh, ability for Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, our three guys to get, you know, open and, and, you know, be able to like run the office through them a little bit more instead of have, sharing the ball between four guys, which, you know, in the past has shown is not as good because especially back when we had, you know, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, like all those guys were fighting for shots. Yeah. And it it, it, it looked, it looked like the 2020 uh, Clippers. Like I remember um, looking at this, uh, watching this video talking about like too many options is not actually a good thing because you see it with the 2020 Clippers. You saw it with the 2019 Celtics, too many options. People are fighting for the ball. And once they get the ball, they're going to try to score because they think they're like they're the third, fourth or first option, whatever, because they, you know, they're, they can create their own shot, but then you realize, you can't move the ball that much. Like, you know, it's kind of obvious who's going to play because we're playing a lot of ISO. You can just basically just double any of the guys once they get – like any of the top three guys once they get the ball. It's not good. But now since we've started to get more young guys, we started to, like, spread out the offense. We have more facilitators like Peyton Pritchard, for example. It helps, you know, alleviate the pressure off. Or actually, I think it actually puts more pressure on Tatum and Brown to compete because they, they need to be the top scorers. They need to be the top two options on this team. And well, it's, it weighs both ways, you know, yeah. like they, they, I mean, I guess it puts more pressure on Jace Tatum, Jalen Brown, you know, and Marcus Smart to hit shots. However, it makes their job easier not having to hold the ball for, you know, 20 seconds out on the shot clock and in their, uh, during their play and possibly turn the ball over and get six turnovers a game. Yep. I mean, like that, having Peyton there definitely helps a lot. And just having a facilitator in general just helps a lot with their offense. And they can use a lot more different plays to help, you know, facilitate what they're trying to get, you know, mm-hmm. to beat game and to win the games, you know. Yeah. So my question to you mainly about pressure is that, um, you know, we had our draft picks from, I think, 2016, 2017, or is it 2017, 2018, when we drafted Brown the year and then Tatum right after from having high draft picks, you know, getting lucky. Mm-hmm. Somehow, you know, the this uh, uh, the Sixers screwed up and drafted uh, Frank uh, – not Franklin Achillian, but uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's his name on the, on the Orlando Magic that he got traded to? Uh, Markel Fultz. They drafted Markel Fultz over Tatum. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. was the, the, everyone was like, what was going on with the Sixers? And we, you know, we ended up with Tatum. And now, since, you know, these guys have developed to be a, a star, even superstar players, if you classify them that way, you know, everyone has their own classification of how they rank, you know, superstars, all stars, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you think, you know, right now with only a seven game slate, I'm not going to like put too much like as a hot take or anything, but like, do you think Pritchard has the chance of being our next third guy that we developed to be a, you know, a superstar player in the future with just these seven games as a reference? I mean, as, as of right now, I think almost definitely. I mean, he, he's improving a lot quicker than what I think a lot of people expected. And he's, and he's doing a really good job at trying to, you know, uh, make a name for himself in the NBA before even his prime even happens. I mean, this kid is young. So he, he already has the next three, four years ahead of him once he gets his next contract to, you know, fully develop into the prime player that we know he can become in his, you know, early, uh, early 20s, late, you know, early, late 20s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that if he continues to improve on the numbers that he's putting up, there's without a doubt that he'll become the third option and, and you know, arguably could become as good as Brown. 
I, I would hope so. I mean, you know, we had we had Kemba, which I'm going to talk about and ask you a question about that him later. But we have Kemba as our point guard. But you know, I I mean, I think Kemba's happy happier, but I don't see him. I don't know if he's, he'll stay after his four years when his contract is up. He may want to get traded earlier. He may decline his player option. We don't know how that's going to work out. But speaking of Kemba, you know, he's injured now, and I don't. We don't exactly know the date he'll be back. But when he does, you know, when he does get back do you think that'll help or hurt the offense because he hasn't he's been out for a little bit and you know we've already integrated Jeff Teague and Pritchard into the offense I mean how do you think that would you know how well how do you think the offense and the defense will change with Pritchard or or Teague on the bench right I think that um I definitely think that it'll it'll definitely take time for them to you know build the chemistry back up and everything you know starts to work into hand and especially with the increased minutes that uh incrementally that Kemba will get once he's coming back from injury you know he'll I think that we'll see most likely what from what I believe based off of um Steven's previous you know uh teams that he's uh coached I think that Pritchard will become uh, a, a a solid uh rotation player and probably be, become like a, an eighth or seventh man but I think Jeff Teague's minutes will be hurt a lot and it's probably not going to be, he's probably not going to be happy about it and want and either request a trade or leave in the off season, depending on how long his contract is, which I'm not sure. It's a, it's a one year, uh, five, $5 million dollar deal. It's one year contract. Yeah, yeah. He probably will end up wanting to leave the next year, but um, I think that they'll start to get back into the groove again. Uh, it'll, it's definitely going to take a, a couple games, especially because Kemba will be out for estimated roughly about 30 games of the season we'll say Mm -hmm. um just for estimation purposes but um I think that there I think the offense will start to get back into a groove again and I think that it it ultimately will be better for the Celtics in the in the long run because it's going to take a lot off of Brown and Tatum and because right now realistically they are carrying the team right now they're holding everything down and I think they need that third guy to be involved to and as much as Marcus Smart is a great player he's just not that type of type of player to become that A-list all-star type level player and Kemba might not even be an all-star this year which because you know we don't we don't have any of the all-star uh weekend this year since he got taken out but um you know he 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 could play ultimately at that level again which we've seen him play in the past I mean can we have we have to remember that yes Kemba is slightly injury prone however he is realistically a 25 plus point scorer and can get you six six assists with a couple rebounds and maybe a steal or two. So like he still has that capability of being really, really a like bottom tier A-list player, but it's just a matter of how it can work out with chemistry of Tatum and Brown. And I think that Brown and Tatum will be relieved once he comes back. Yeah, we've we've seen him, you know, with T- Kemba and Tatum last year, or not Kemba and Tatum, but uh, Jalen Brown and Tatum last year. And, you know, he was on, up and down in the playoffs, like sometimes scoring 25, sometimes scoring eight points, you know. Right. He was on and off. And also not to mention his injury just hurt him. And, like, I don't know how his recovery and his, you know, his impact is going to be right off the gate. He'll probably take some time to acclimate with the offense. Yeah. Hopefully he'll be back by, like, February or something. Yeah. But you were saying. Yeah, no, that's it's exactly, exactly what I would say. I just – I don't know. I, it's it's an interesting year, and 
it, I not I did not expect us to go four and three in the opening. I mean, I mean the Sixers. Sure, I was hoping to get a game against the Nets because Kyrie and Kemba. I mean, Kyrie and uh, KD is crazy. Even though they're three mm-hmm. and four now, and are only they're th- two out of the three wins are from us, which kind of makes me mad. <laughs> they they lost four times and like showing off how good they're gonna get good they did against us, and then just <laughs> crapping the bed on the rest of the other games. Like it just didn't look too great. But yeah, I mean, it looks yeah. we were looking up. I mean, that loss against the Pistons kind of scared me. Like, why did we lose against the Pistons? They were zero and four. Like, oh, this is like a wash game. Like, they can like probably play the young guys more. Like, nope, we we got <laughs> smoked. And not to mention, we had Tatum had to make a game winner, the second game of the series, just to win the game. Like, instead of going in overtime, we just, he had to make a game winner, and that just didn't give me hope. Like, why are we playing these guys close? We should be, you know, you know. I guess my my expectation is that we should be blowing out these teams and like, giving our young guys more reps. But you know, I guess I guess that's what happened in the NBA. There's always continuity. There's always continuity. You don't know who's going to win what off the gate. You right. shouldn't be trying to predicting. But we did win against the Bucks, which was a big win, huge win. And then hopefully, you know, in the next few games against the Raptors, which we could talk about for a little bit, the Raptors hopefully will be a good win, even though they got Van Fleet and Siakam still. And mm-hmm. they got the Heat and the Wizards. I mean, what are your thoughts on that game? On those that slate of games, the next three or four games. Um, I, I definitely think that they're all beatable. It's just a matter of, like I said, it's just a matter of chemistry and being able to, um, um, to facilitate everything that they want to do. And I think the improvements that Jalen Brown especially has taken in this season has been tremendous. I mean, he is, he really is playing like as close as he can to Tatum as possible and that they're both just dominating right now and I think that if they get to work that out as best as they can along with limiting their turnovers making sure that they can keep guys out of the paint then they should be set to win all three I mean they beating the Raptors is definitely going to be slightly difficult Siakam you really has to be held under and uh, and limited to how many shots it's taking but um, you know the Wizards should be a whitewash uh, you know the, the Nets. The Nets lost to him last night, which was a huge L for for them. But the the Wizards are just not looking great right now. Beal looks amazing, but Westbrook looks terrible. Like he 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 is still putting up numbers that he that he normally does, but it's just he looks so like lackadaisical on the court. I mean, uh, there was there was one shot that he had last night where uh, he was following through on on his three uh, in the last couple seconds. And uh, um, Calabaro, uh, TLC, fucking runs down uh, the court and right behind him and just gets an easy layup. And it's just like, it's, he just looks so like he doesn't want to even be in, in Washington. It's, it's so sad. But, you know, it's at the same time, like, you know, back to what I was saying, that the, the Celtics should easily wipe them with the floor as long as they can contain certain players on the team. Like, Beal or Thomas Bryant, you know, those guys, and that will be very crucial to game, changing the game. Yeah. You know, it's funny enough that looking at their offensive defensive ratings, you know, they're all like net negative, you know, even ours <laughs> is only a positive 0.75, which means that we're not, you know, really, you know, not really, our, our ratings are not really that great compared to like, you know, if you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, their fish, their, their net rating for their offensive defensive ratings is a 9.75. So yeah, it just shows like, we're right middle of the pack. If you want to, put it like that mm-hmm. but the most I think it's funny looking just based off these numbers the hardest game will be the Raptors which I didn't think Agreed. so I thought the Heat would have been the harder game having you know if Tyler Hero still can show that he can be great from the if he's playoff hero 
plus Butler mm-hmm. plus Adebayo. I thought that would have been a harder match than playing Van Fleet Siakam, which by ratings alone says they're going to be a, it's going to be a harder game. Yeah. Even though and, and it, it says right here, like I was, huh? <laughs> was going to say that uh, I think that they uh, that they really should like you know going back to a couple minutes ago that I think that they like in these kind of games where you have somebody like Bam Adebayo or Thomas Bryant or Siakam. And they need a guy who's going to be a defense, a big man who's going to be a defensive beast in those games. And I don't see anybody else uh, other than that than Robert Williams. I think that he, and I, I keep going back to it, but like I, I, I really think that Stevens should should be playing him more because he's just going to help out with with the defense like tenfold. I, don't, I just, I don't, I don't know. I think so you're on the Robert he, Williams hype train, is what I'm. Hearing. I'm a little bit on the Robert Williams hype train, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, he, he, I've seen him. He's all right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, you know, we'll see as the season progresses. Like, I don't want to make yeah. any crazy predictions yet because it's only been the seventh game, seven games, and a lot of people are saying just, you know, let the season play out. Let everything get figured out. Let Steven, exactly. like, let all the coaches and the players acclimate and figure out what works best and what, like, implement and also see which system works best. Or if, if their current system is not working, try to flip it before the, mid, the midseason mark and try to, like, make a run for the playoffs in the second half you know, usually right, right around the, after the all-star break, you know, but we don't have the all-star break. So I guess we're just going to keep playing or just have a, was, I don't know what exactly happened. I knew it was canceled. I don't know if they're doing a bye week that week or they're going to try to push all the games forward. Do you know I, what's going to happen with that? I have, I, from what I understand that they're going to do is that they're just going to continue it throughout and play, you know, there's not going to be a break or anything. So they're shifting they're all just, the games forward. Yeah. So they're shifting all the games forward, but they're still keeping that, um, that playing game from last year in the bubble uh, before the playoffs. So, which mm-hmm. I think was weird and, and stupid addition, but I mean, that's just me, but um, yeah, I think, I think that they're just going to roll over the, uh, the all-star weekend, which kind of sucked. Cause I was like, why, why wouldn't you want to add just like, even if you took away all-star weekend and just kept the all-star game, have one guy, one game of, of the guys who picked the teams and, just play one game instead of the playing game because I was I, I don't know I felt like the playing game is a little pointless in some respect yeah we can make a segment about that next time but yeah like honestly yeah. the way they did the all-star game last year was amazing and I hope they continue that in the future That's like you I'm know saying. scoring to a certain mm-hmm. point instead of just yeah. playing four quarters you know it was really fun to watch like okay now we actually were like in there and like crushed on like we actually have to score you know and they're probably and they're probably gonna incentivize his defense to stop the players yeah. and get the ball back so we can actually makes get it to more the exciting. target score. Yeah, it makes it more yeah. exciting. And honestly, yeah. the only reason I watch the All-Star game, All-Star game because that's the only fun thing to watch during that week. I really don't – that, you know, U.S. versus World, eh. The dunk contest yeah. is somewhat fun depending on who's playing, who's in it. You know, yeah. I three-point percent – three-point, you know who's going to win, let's be honest. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think the All-Star game really stands out compared to the rest of the competitions nowadays. Just kind of yeah. – but yeah, people, I, I mean, totally forget about the skills challenge. Oh yeah, I didn't—I completely <laughs> forgot that was even a thing. I'm like, yeah. damn, that's yeah, like skills challenge now. is still a thing. Yeah. yeah, that's like—I mean, that's all the questions I had. I mean, I wanted to talk about it, unless you have like a couple talking points you want to bring up. With the um, I the 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 only thing that I will uh, definitely bring up is that they need to get a not, and I think that this is a lot more off season uh, type of talk, but. Um, they definitely need to develop their 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 bench a little bit more. They they need to have a little bit more of a deeper bench to be to go the distance 
into uh, all the way to the finals because we we all know that that's the Celtics plan that they all want they want to make sure that they can get to the finals. And I think that what's been holding them back uh, the previous years is that they don't they haven't had a deep enough bench. I mean, if we look at other teams in the NBA, like they have a relatively good bench. It's just that it's only about an eight man deep bench. A lot of these teams now nowadays have like a 10, 10 guy deep bench, which kind of sucks because you know, like if you look at teams like, you know, like the Bucks or the Heat or the Warriors, you know, like they, they, they got these guys that they can, that they know can come off the bench and get garbage minutes and still perform at a decently like high enough level to where they know that they're going to win the games, you know? And uh, I think that with adding a couple new players into it. And I think that they're doing a great job adding young players. You know, they're making their longevity a lot more to, so that they have the chance to get to the finals. But I think that if they want to make their process a little bit quicker, that they need to add more uh, depth to their bench. What do you think about that? I mean, I totally agree. Cause like we've, I mean, being a fan of this team for a while now, it, the only thing that's hindered was the bench of course. And you're right. And I think the additions of, you know, if Tristan Thompson gets moved to the bench, we have Rob Williams, for example, move to the starting position. I think Teagan Thompson plus Pritchard on the bench once Kemba gets back. I think, you know, I think was Javante Green, if he starts to develop, I think that'd be great. Grant Williams also de- starting to develop into a better player. I hope he, he can because he showed us, you know, f- spurts in the playoffs that he's like really good. Like he can play good defense and play like efficient offense on a on a on a certain game, whatever whatever we want him to like try to pop off on the bench. I think that's a. I think we have some guys like Semi Ojale. I don't know about him. Carson Edwards. He's been here for a couple of years. I don't see him developing any more than he has. But I think those guys that I, I listed earlier were are definitely going to be our future bench guys that I can mm. we can we can rely on in whatever minutes we need to put them in to rest our yeah. rest our starters. Yeah, and they. I think that they. Uh, um, they're doing like I said. They're doing a good job with implementing a lot of the young players into their rotations. It's just a matter of figuring out what the right like full set rotation is going to be, and like making sure that everyone's getting the right minutes to perform as high quality as they possibly can. Yeah, and I pray. I pray Stevens isn't thinking like, oh, this is going to be develop like a pseudo development year for all these young guys. Like I'm hoping we're still trying to have that championship mentality because we still got Brown, Tatum. Smart. We exactly. got and Kemba. We got all these guys, and I don't want to like waste their contracts on like just developing, and you know keep keep it really? going. Like I want to continue our championship push because we've had that for the past couple of years. You know exactly. we've had our hiccups with Kyrie, and you know Milwaukee, of course. But we'll we'll hopefully <laughs> can overcome that. You know with whoever we bring in or whoever is our lineups for the future, and we can keep this game keep this game keep this team you know relevant. Not have it. What is it? Now have it be like what is it what was it between like right before it came it was not really before that i mean actually before that we had it was the rondo era rondo mm-hmm. uh rondo ray allen and then we had the it era and now we have the tatum and brown area era all of them seem to not really perform as well as we wanted to except for that one time in 2006 with the championship with uh garnett mm-hmm. but i mean we're hoping to bring it back like the years in garnett or even like the 80s with larry bird hasn't been that hasn't been that consistent since then yeah and um i think that they they, i think that they keep getting close you know they realistically if we if we try and look at a playoff picture they should be in within the top five still i mean they're they're consistently always in the top five seeds 
And uh, they, I think that if they keep doing that and they just add slightly little changes and little fixes, you know, that they will get there. They will definitely get there eventually. It's just making those small changes. And I think that that kind of falls on fault for Stevens a little bit where he's not, he's, he like, he's a great coach, love him so much, but he is, he's a little bit kind of like doc in a way where he doesn't like to change his game plan a lot. So I think yeah. that, you know, yeah, I think that it, that, ha- that happens and you get this endless cycle of being like the consistent third seed or fourth seed or second seed, you know, and, and years coming. So it, it, I, once those little changes are made, then they'll take the next step to make it to the finals. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not mad about being consistently good, but, you know, we're not going to oh, be yeah. consistently great. Like, you know, the Warriors, we're not going to make that next step. And that's the same thing. I, I'm going to end this, end this off. But yeah, it's the same thing with the Florida Gators. It's, you know, we're consistent, like both, both teams I love because they're consistently good. The reason why I love following them, I love covering them is because they're consistently good. They can show that they can produce a product on the field that fans will love. And regardless of who's on the field, like, you know, we had IT, now we had, we had Kyrie, and then now we have Kemba and Tatum. For Florida, it's been Felipe. Now it's Tyler Trask, even before. And then we had Tebow. We had Will Greer. And, like, this is, this is just the reason why I love following these teams, the reason why I love covering them, and I will continue to cover them until, you know, either podcasting dies or if I get – I don't know if I hope – I hope I don't lose interest. But I love, I love <laughs> covering these teams, and I, I love to talk about them, and especially with guys like James who are very knowledgeable about you know you. certain things that I, I may not may not mention because I'm, I'm looking at certain things because I'm especially I'm a love I'm I love stats and I'm looking at specific stats to try to see what what sticks out what uh, sticks out that really shows our either progress or you know descent to whatever an example showing our defensive rating today really sure. didn't really really show that we need to work on either our scheme because I, I, I thought Brad Stevens was a defensive-minded coach but Mm-hmm. you know we'll see that in the future but yeah it's, it's great having you on james and you have any last words for you um check check on my instagram at j.ocon45 um there you go. some graphic design stuff on there uh have some guitar playing and stuff and yeah that's it thank you for having me so much i really appreciate it i will see you all next week uh next week we're at least for florida we're going to cover just the season as a whole talk about in depth more about um Oh God, Todd Grantham. We'll see about that. And then hopefully the Celtics will talk about the Raptors and the Heat game because those will hopefully be more interesting than it was watching the Pistons games. I'm hoping that'll actually be more exciting and hopefully we'll get some, get some dubs on the board so we can keep our, keep our progress up as a top, top eight team in the, in the East. But yeah, I will see y'all next week. Peace.